Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hardworking Man Podcast. I'm Heath. And I'm Rachel. And today we're going to be talking about hunting. So if you're not a hunter or didn't grow up in a family where people hunt, we think you're still going to find this episode enjoyable. You're probably going to laugh. We have some funny stories from all the years. And we just, it hunting is like Heath's way of life is what I've always said. So <laughs> I got if you notice that he a has deer. a tattoo of the browning buck mixed in with other stuff on his shoulder. So it is our family is big into hunting. All our boys hunt. I hunt. Heath hunts. It's just very important. More so, we don't really talk about it that much on the channel because the channel is about firewood. And I mean, we do a little bit. We talk about like we have our deer tracking dog, and um, but you don't have to hunt to have a deer tracking dog. But we do hunt. Hunting's just hard to film unless you have like a good film crew. It is and very tough to film. We've just never done that. It's not really been anything we've tried to make a show out of. So we're gonna try this year. But like we said, it's tough, and not messing up the hunt while filming is tough. My brother and I years ago were on a hunting show, actually on the Sportsman Channel on cable TV, and the two of us had to film our own hunts. They came out for one day and got some footage, but other than that, it was us submitting our footage, and they edited it and put it on a show. It was called Battle of the Bow. Yeah, I'm a famous TV star. I don't like to brag about it, but it is what it is. But that was a lot of fun, but oh my goodness, the work that's involved in that is crazy. Well, yeah, there's so much footage to edit, but also... If you hunt in any other state but Michigan, you might not understand how Michigan, you have to hunt it so different. So just to have another person in the same stand adds that much more scent and movement and the deer are on to you. So to re be able to film it in Michigan is tough. Is way tougher than filming on there, a farm in Iowa. <laughs> there are a few other states with high hunting pressure like Michigan yeah. has, but like... You can be in Kansas, and there can be a three- or four-year-old buck, and you can walk past it, and it will just sit there and look at you. Where in Michigan, there can be a year-and-a-half-old buck out in a field, and you can slow down to look at it just in your down. car, they and that bolt. thing will bolt. Yeah. Because the hunting pressure in Michigan is crazy. It's one of the highest-pressured states in the nation, and there's a deer hunter in every tree come November. It's just... It's a way of life here. There, It used to be a vacation day from school. Opening day of deer season, <laughs> schools were closed. Yeah. You didn't go to school. I think it's you still that way. You went to the way, woods, up places. in the Upper Peninsula yeah. and stuff. I think it's still like that. Well, no, I think it might even be like locally. Like they Some have, of the more rural they, schools. Yeah, the more rural schools. Like they have, um, like what school are we at they, uh, for wrestling? And they had pictures of kids with their bucks hanging there's a taxidermy class at the school that's up in the town where our hunting property is yeah so it's just a whole different thing and i didn't grow up being in a family that hunted like my dad didn't hunt my brothers didn't Your hunt. Stepdad hunted. yeah when my mom got remarried he was a hunter and he turkey hunted for the most part but he also deer hunted and so but still when he, we met you were like I don't care if you hunt. Yeah. I'm never going to. I don't want to ever hunt. I don't want to ever shoot again. It wasn't anything I cared about. I didn't feel strongly against it. I just didn't care. She like didn't want to do it. I ate the meat and I, 
you know, whatever. I didn't disagree with hunting, but I just wasn't, it wasn't anything that I was interested in. Or I didn't even know about it. How about that? I just But I told her, that's fine as long as you understand that I do hunt and I'm always going to hunt. Mm -hmm. And that's where, like, I guess one of our first stories comes from. So my brother and I, which... One, I mean, a few things about hunting. It's not just about going out there and filling the freezer because I'll be honest with you, most of the time putting venison in the freezer costs a lot more than just going to the store and buying beef. No, people think, oh, you shot a deer, that's free meat. It's yeah. like, oh, do you oh, know how much my licenses some? cost? Do you know how much <laughs> gas I spent? Do you know my how much my bow costs? is probably hundreds of dollars a pound yeah. when you count <laughs> The food plots I put in, the equipment that I buy, the time that I invest in it. Like everything invested. Venison isn't cheap. It's not free. Mm -hmm. And unless you do it very efficiently with very minimal equipment, it's probably cheaper to go to the store and buy Wagyu beef than it is to eat (laughs) venison. But venison, it's to us and to a lot of people, it's not about putting meat in the freezer. It's about the memories. It's about the adrenaline rush. It's about the experience and it's about the challenge. Like growing up, my dad didn't kill a deer in over 20 years. He went hunting every single year. He went to deer camp. I wasn't allowed to go as a kid because deer camp was for the guys. And they literally went and hunted. They were just really, really bad at it. (laughs) So when I finally was old enough to hunt at 12 in Michigan back then, you could bow hunt. At 14, you could gun hunt. The rules have since changed, and you can hunt at any age, which I think is crazy. But so when I turned 12, I wanted to bow hunt because my dad got to do it every year, and I never got to. And he would always go to deer camp and go away for a week and come back with these stories of the big buck that got away. You know, and so I got to go bow hunting and my dad wasn't a bow hunter. So those first two years didn't probably really count because I had a zero percent chance of killing a deer. I had my dad's old bow. I didn't know how to shoot it. He said, if you can hit a paper plate at 15 yards, you're good. Go out in the woods. And it's not like that. But uh, (laughs) that sounds like Dan advice. (laughs) Yes. But the challenge that that presented, because I went years without killing a deer and my dad went decades without killing a deer. So that brings us to our first story that's relevant to this. So my brother and I were going up to the UP to do a bow hunt and Rachel and I were dating. We'd been dating for a few months at this time, I think. And I told her, I'm like, hey, I'm going up north with my brother. We're going to go deer hunting. And she said, can I come with you? And I was like, absolutely. So we go up there. We got a 1985 Chevy Blazer. It's a two-door. It was red, red interior. That thing was sweet, and that'll be relevant later. But so we go up there, and the first couple days, my brother and I go out hunting. We've got our stands. We're, you know, trying to get that big buck or even a doe at this point in our careers. And I had a stand where I had been having close encounters with deer and really thought I was, I was on the verge of tagging one. And a couple nights into the hunt, Rachel says, hey, do you mind if I go hunting with you? Now, keep in mind, she told me, I don't ever want to hunt. I'm never going to hunt. I don't want to touch anything to do with hunting. So I was like, absolutely. And that was hard for me because I I felt I was so close to getting a deer. So I told my brother, I'm like, hey, you can have my stand because Rachel wants to go. And I was in love, still am. So I'm like, I'll give it up. I'll give it up for this girl. And I think it was a wise choice. So 
I give my brother my stand, and because she's now with me, we just have to go sit on the ground. So I just find a place, no real rhyme or reason. I hadn't had anything scouted out or prepared. I didn't know all of that at this time in my career. We went, we found a spot, we set up some chairs, and we sat in the woods. And what happened, Rachel? Okay, so we're sitting there, and about 10, 15 minutes goes yeah, by. Not long. And we, there's nothing. There's like squirrels maybe. And I said, I thought we were hunting. Where are the deer? And he, he's like, well, they won't be here for like another two hours. If we see any deer. They're not going to be here for and a couple hours. And I was like, hours. two hours? What are we doing here then? Like, why don't we just come back when the deer are going to be here? Because why am I wasting my time just sitting here? I yeah, had no idea. Why don't we just leave and come back then? And I'm like, it doesn't work that way. Like, we have to get there before <laughs> them. Because they hear and see everything. So you got to get into no. where they're going to be before they're there. I was like, well, that's crap. What am I doing here? <laughs> like, I did not want to be there anymore. And I think that night we ended up seeing a couple of does and fawns. And they were hundreds of yards out. We were bow hunting. Had a 0% chance of shooting them. They weren't even really close enough to get us excited. But my brother in my stand that I gave up for this girl... Ended up killing a nice oh big doe. Gosh, he shot a doe. He, uh, that was huge to us back then. <laughs> so he got this nice big doe. And we went. We had to leave that night. We had to drive back home. It was a six-hour drive. He had work, I think, in the morning or school. I had, school. I had work or school in the morning. I don't even remember. And so we had to get this deer, get it taken care of. And Rachel and us, we didn't want it in the, in the Chevy Blazer. So we're like... Wrapped it up in a tarp to put it up on the roof rack. My brother and I weren't, we weren't as strong as we are now. We were both small. They were at that little point. peanuts at this point. So like 16. She's and there. We got the old. deer. We're trying to load it up onto the roof of this GMC Jimmy. And my brother and I were strong enough to get it 90% of yeah. the way. And they're like, Rachel. Can you help us? And so, I was like, do what? Well, this is like the second or third try to get it onto the roof rack. And we're literally within inches of yeah. getting it to where we need. And we're like, Rachel, like, give it a push. Like, give us that last boost. And no, so then I go over there and I was like, well, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I don't want to touch this thing. It's Rust. wrapped in a tarp. Yeah, they're you. like, it's wrapped up. And I was like, I don't know. I don't think I can do that. So I go over. <laughs> I'm like, fine. And I go to like push it up and then I feel the warmth of the deer's body and I'm like, Ooh! and I like ran. I was like, I cannot touch that thing. I am not. And they're like, you have to. They're, they have, they're both of their arms are We're, we're up there quivering. Like they we're so close and we just need that boost. They both start like yelling at me like, get over here. <laughs> you have to push it up. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I like, I'd go up and I, I can't touch it. Like, I don't know how many times I did Finally, that. she gave us the boost we needed. We got the deer on the roof. We made the trip home. And I was like, that was miserable. Yeah, so that is not what got her to like hunting. No, so then later, once I did start hunting, that made me just that whole experience. And I don't like touching dead deer still, even though it's been 20 five years i don't and even you've know killed probably I've, 15 16 yeah. deer but so we i made a deal in the very beginning because he liked me hunting with him he liked me going out there and i said fine i i i will hunt but i will never field dress my own deer 
ever. Like, you're going to do that for me. And he's like, done, deal. So I hold him to that. Like, never. Sometimes I get my boys to do it now, though. I can, like, I'm like, well, I'll hold the legs. Like, I can do that. Like, I can touch the deer now. Like, I'm not scared of them. But yeah, even without a tarp. <laughs> even without a tarp. Like, it's fine. But I'm still not digging my arm up in there like you have to when you properly field dress it. Right. But so what got her to start hunting when she was not a hunter? That was the following year. Once again, I'd been hunting all year. And I'm pretty sure I probably hadn't harvested a deer yet. It was muzzleloader season in Michigan, which is the third season. You have archery season, then you have firearm season, and then you have muzzleloader season. And I was going hunting, and Rachel said, hey, do you mind if I come with you? And I said, absolutely not. And she goes, but if I come with you, I don't want you to shoot a doe. I only want you to shoot a buck. Yeah, for some reason I thought that it was bad to shoot a doe. It was like shooting a mom or something. Right, but so I said, you know what? That's fine. Because I just wanted to get a deer, but she was like, if I come, I don't want you to shoot a doe. I said, that's fine. So we go, we get set up, and the, the, the struggle is real early in my hunting career. So we get set up in a fence row on a field. She's looking one way, I'm looking the other. There's some snow on the ground, and this is what I love about hunting is the memories you create, and I'll never forget this. I remember it like it was yesterday. So we're sitting there. It's her second hunt of her life. And she's looking over one field, I'm looking over the other, and five or six does come running across the field from her way. And she says, holy, Heath, here they come. And so I turn and look, and I see these does and fawns running towards us. And I'm like, get excited, because that adrenaline starts hitting you. And these does and fawns come up to probably like 40 yards. I have a muzzleloader. It should be a chip shot. And I'm sitting here. I told her, I said, be quiet. They can hear you. And she's like, they can't hear me. And I'm like, yes, they can. Like they have giant ears. So these deer run across the field and they're 40 yards out there just standing there. And she's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, they're all does. And she goes, I don't care. Just shoot them. And I was like, but they're all does. I don't care. Just shoot them. Because she realized that adrenaline rush that came when, like when it happened. And so I steady in on the shot. And I squeeze the trigger, and I miss, and they all run off, and we don't end up getting a deer. But that's the turning point when she said, oh my gosh, like that adrenaline that I experienced That's when I understood the adrenaline. Like I didn't know, and it's not something that you can understand until you experience it yourself. You can't explain it to somebody else. No, you can't explain. You can't explain how just... Hearing leaves crunch when you're sitting up in a tree stand. Even, even when it's a you, squirrel. Yeah, and it's usually a squirrel. And it makes your ears, like, I don't know, like, feel full because the blood is just flowing and pumping. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And you're, like, so nervous to turn your head to look. And then it's just a stupid squirrel. But it's that adrenaline that courses through your body. I don't even know why. It still makes me laugh to this day that just seeing a deer when you're out hunting gives you that reaction and there's nothing else like it like my oldest boy joe that kid has almost no emotion he has ice water running through his veins he's a college pitcher you couldn't tell if he just pitched through the last pitch of a no hitter or he just gave up a game-winning walk-off home run to the other team you don't know Mm -hmm. you could give him something for christmas or his birthday that he's wanted his whole life and you don't even know if he's happy that he got it. Like the kid has no emotion, no nerves, 
know anything except for when he's in a deer stand (laughs) like when he was young and he started hunting target practice shooting bows shooting guns the kid was just bullseye 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 his mind and body control is like nothing else i'd ever seen so he had got a deer or two as we were you know hunting together and his as he got older and would sit in his own stand, and I'd be a few hundred yards away from him one year during gun season. I heard him shoot, and to me, that's an automatic. If this kid pulls the trigger after his first buck, he'd got a few does, I'm like, he just got his first buck. Like, this kid doesn't miss. And (laughs) we go and we look up the shooting, and it's not a good sign, and we don't ever end up getting the deer. And I asked him, like, you know, live me you know relive the shot for me like what happened he was in a ladder stand he had a rest this deer was at 50 yards with a rifle it's a chip shot and he says i was pretty nervous but i calmed myself down he goes but the tree was moving (laughs) the tree was moving when i shot so i'm not sure how good i was on the deer there was no wind that tree wasn't moving the kid who doesn't get nervous who has ice water in his veins was so nervous for his first buck that he completely whiffed and tried to blame it on the wind, which wasn't there. The tree wasn't moving. The tree wasn't moving him. He was just nervous. And that's all part of the what it is. When you connect, it's like an accomplishment like nothing else that you've ever experienced. Yeah, it's not that easy to make a good killing shot on a deer. Like... Uh, our dog tracking will tell you that. Yeah, we have a little, our little wiener dog tracks deer. She goes, when people shoot deer and can't find them, they call me. And she finds a lot of them, but there's a lot. A lot like guys who have been hunting for 30 years. And they're like, I was just so nervous. I'm not sure what I did. Like your mm-hmm. whole brain just wipes. You remember everything different. You misremember. gets you going. Like it. Screws everything up. It's like nothing else. Like there's nothing I can equate it to. Not even like an amazing deal on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> Not even close to no. what deer hunting does. Like it just right. well, and just makes you feel alive. On that note, when you have like hunting camp, which is something that we tried to instill and do with our boys from when they were little. Like so everyone goes out. Uh, you know, once they can all hunt by themselves, or even it was in the beginning with your dad and brothers, that everyone's sitting in their stands, and then opening morning, this is for gun season only, then they, you, when you hear shots, like, you're so excited, because oh, yeah. you're like, somebody else got it. You try to anticipate, like, oh, I think that was my brother. Yeah, you're like, and you oh, can't you're wait. over there, that's You can't wait to get back to camp and be like, what'd right. you get? And sometimes it's not even somebody that you're with. And you're like, I could have swore that was you. And they're like, I thought it was you. Like the excitement is just like nothing else. And the memories you build, I don't remember a whole lot. I don't think a lot of us remember a whole lot of when we were kids. I still remember going on hunts with my dad. They were never successful. (laughs) But I still remember them doing deer drives, like doing this stuff. And... The first hunt with her, I could tell you that story like I was still there. Right. The hunt with those does, I could tell you that story like I was like it was yesterday, and it was twenty plus years ago. Yeah, and we had the opportunity. Um, my sister's husband at the time, his family owned a bunch of land 
up in northern Michigan. On an island. On an island. It was awesome. It was sweet. There was cabins. And so we went up there with your dad and brothers. My stepbrother. Like your brother's friend one year. And we just, everybody went to their spots. And so it's so cool to, you know, everyone get ready together, go out to their stuff, and then slowly start trickling in in the morning because it's freezing up in the UP. And then just telling your stories about what deer did you see and like if they shot or just having a bunch of guys there to go help you find find your deer. And they would have like a buck pole. Well, just a deer pole, I guess. At this yeah, point. it wasn't always bucks, and, and they weren't always big. No, we were getting better. Everybody just—that's where you'd hang your deer, and then you'd have other guys that were in cabins, and it just creates this camaraderie, and it just really was such a good time to go do that. And so when we had the opportunity to buy the land with the cabin on it that we currently own, we jumped at it because then we could have our own hunting camp on our own property and have these memories have our kids have the chance to have these memories too like my nephew killed his first deer out there my brother came over he now owns his own property but at that time he didn't so he got to come over and take his first deer there you know stuff like that is stuff you can't put a price tag on it the memories you build the camaraderie just the time together with family and friends Mm -hmm. that i i don't i've never experienced anything else like it so yeah, I mean, shoot, we were hunt. just in Cabela's the other day, and just some guy there just starts telling us hunting stories. Like, yeah. it's so funny. Like, oh, you hunt, and now all of a sudden you're good friends. You're friends. You've known yeah. each other for 100 <laughs> years, and he'll right. tell a story. We'll tell a story. Yeah. Oh, you got a funny story about your first, when you shot your first buck. So my first deer, my first deer ever was a buck, and not a big buck. It was a spike. So... <laughs> I'd, like I said, I grew up, my dad hunted every year. He went to deer camp, all of his dads. My dad comes from a big family. He has 10 siblings, of which quite a few of them are guys. I can't even tell you off the bat. He doesn't even know all their names, so sorry. I do too, but no. so they all went to deer camp, and every year, like, so there's six or seven of them at deer camp every single year, and if they got one or two deer, it was a successful season. Yeah. So growing up, my dad went over 20 years without taking a deer. And I just thought that's how hunting was. So when I started hunting, 12, I didn't get a deer. 13, no deer. 14, no deer. 15, no deer. I'd shot at some at 14 and 15 with guns, but the adrenaline took over. I had a, And I just never connected. Just was terrible at it. 16 years old, up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan with a bow. I bought this Golden Eagle bow. Dan Fitzgerald used them on his VHS hunting tapes that we'd rent and watch. I'm in one woods by myself. My brother's in another woods at my aunt and uncle's house. And I'm under a pine tree. And this little buck comes in. I try to get a shot off. And I spook him off. He leaves. I'm devastated. Probably an hour or two later, he comes back. And this time, I didn't miss. I didn't make a good shot. But I didn't miss. I get that arrow, I place it, boom, shoot him. He immediately takes off. I know nothing about getting a deer, tracking a deer, anything. I made a bad shot. It's what you call a gut shot. It's a little bit further back, and you should wait 12 to 24 hours to track that deer. Nope. I'm literally, as soon as I shot, I'm out there on my hands and knees crawling, (laughs) finding the specks of blood through the snow, in bear country, by myself as a 16-year-old, trying to find this deer. 
I can't find it. I walked back to camp, put my bow in the trailer, which was our hunting camp. It was half of a single wide trailer. I get on the four-wheeler, drive back to my aunt and uncle's house, can't hardly contain myself, and I tell my brother, I just got a buck. I just got my first deer. Like, so excited. He can't believe it. We get in my truck to drive over to my other aunt and uncle's where my dad was, and I'm like thinking, we got to get dad so we can go find this deer, thinking he's going to know how to find it, even though he hasn't killed one in over 20 years. On the way from my one aunt and uncle's to my other's, it's probably a 10-mile drive, and it was lightly snowing. I was so excited. I went in the ditch three times. I couldn't (laughs) stay on the road. Like, that's the excitement and the adrenaline that you get. And I get there. I tell my dad. I'm like, hey, I got a deer. I got a buck. And he's like, whatever, kid. Like, no, you didn't. Because he didn't think it was possible probably at this point. And I'm like, dad, yes, I did. Like, go look in my truck. My bow's not there. It's still at deer camp. So finally, he believes me. We go out there that night. We look for it. Can't find it. That was Saturday night. Sunday morning. I'm now the family hero because we get to skip church to go look for my buck. The whole family's out there. We spend hours. It's a long story. I'm not going to you know, feed it all to you here. But we end up finding it by a miracle after lots of prayers. And I'm now on the board. I've got my first buck. And as I've learned and progressed, I've been able to harvest at least one deer every year since that point. And I've come a long ways. But the excitement of that hunt is like nothing I think I'll ever capture again. And it's literally the smallest buck I've killed in my entire life. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, you really were hoping once we had kids that they would share in your passion. So you would take them out when they were young. The more I learned about hunting and learned why my dad wasn't successful and why my brother and I especially became successful is because we, the, the uh, I guess the difficulty of it and the challenge of it is what drove us to continually get better. So back then, like I said, we would watch VHS tapes. There wasn't the internet that we have today. There wasn't YouTube There wasn't any of this. There was hunting magazines and there was VHS tapes. And we would watch those and we would try to learn. And we would, you know, put that stuff into play. Like having the wind in your face, being quiet, getting in early, you know, all of that. Learning the patterns of the deer, learning what they do when. So when I was a young parent and wanted my kids to, you know, experience what I had, the joy that I had from hunting... I would take them hunting, and I almost ruined it for them. And luckily, I was able to realize it before it was too late. So I'd take them hunting, and we'd be sitting there, and they'd, I'm like, stop moving. Be quiet. Like, I'm cold. I want to go. Like, no, it's the best time, of you know. And I was ruining it for them because I was so concerned with getting a deer. And luckily, I realized when you have kids, you have to make it about them. So I had, a, I guess, evolved to when I would take them hunting, I would try to make it fun for them. I'd bring hot chocolate. I'd bring little candy bars, even though the noise of that wrapper was killing me. 
you know, knowing that it's messing up my hunt. Yeah. But it wasn't at that point about the deer. It was about the kids. The only reason Megan would go along with you was, was for the candy. She and wanted hot a chocolate. candy bar and hot chocolate. And so, you know, they would be singing through the grunt call. You know, there was almost a zero percent chance of getting a deer, but they were having fun. And they might be at towards the end of the night, which the closer you get to evening, usually the the higher the percentage chance is of the deer moving. We call it the magic hour. And there were times when in the magic hour, my kids would be like, I'm cold, I'm bored, I want to go. Or I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> oh, yes. And I had to just say, all right, let's go. And we would pack up and we would leave. And looking back, it was 100% the right choice. I was ruining ruining it for them initially by how serious I was taking it. But as I, I guess, evolved over the years, I learned to, you know, make it about them. And I did. And then a few years in, like I told you about when I was old enough to hunt and that's all I could, that's all I could wait to do was go deer hunting. And then Joe, my oldest boy, when he was finally old enough to go deer hunting with me, 14 years old, opening day of deer season in Michigan, he had school and I'm like, Joe, it's opening day. Like do you want to skip school and go hunting with me? And I, my soul was crushed when he said, I don't want to miss class, dad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. there was a, there was a special party and he didn't want to miss that party. Like you could skip school and go deer hunting with your dad. And you'd rather go to school. Like what have I done wrong? I failed as a parent, but there was a party that day and he didn't want to miss. And so I'm like, even though it devastated me, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I raised a kid who doesn't like hunting. He he didn't go hunting that day. He went to his he went to school. He went to his class party. He had fun. But over time now, the passion I have for hunting has grown into him. Right. He loves hunting now. He wrote papers about it for class, all about how hunting gives him this feeling that nothing else does. So yes. And that's the kid with ice water running through his veins <laughs> that the only thing that makes his heart pump like that is deer hunting. So right. if you're not a deer hunter and you think people who deer hunt, there's something wrong with them, there is. But it's not <laughs> it's not that we're some redneck hillbillies. Savages. Or savages. Something. It's the memories, the adrenaline, the challenge, like all encompassed into one thing. And it's the only thing. Well, in this day and age too, it. I feel like when you go out hunting, it's one of the only times that you you like actually sit and enjoy nature and you don't have your busy schedule forcing you to go from here to here to here to here. A hundred percent. It makes for people like us that are have such a busy schedule, it almost feels like you're wasting your time to go sit in the woods now because it's hours that you're not being productive and you're just sitting there. But it is so like soothing to the soul and just to like watch the birds you know, like i love seeing all the different birds i'm like oh, there's a woodpecker I've there had oh, birds a land cardinal. on me and that's yes. that's just crazy the stuff you experience out yeah. hunting like it's really cool like stuff you would never get to see ever people that don't hunt never get to see this stuff or no. experience it i've watched bucks fight i've watched bucks chase does i've been scared to death of squirrels possums possums <laughs> Like, I've had a skunk walking out to my stand in the middle of the darkness of the morning, and I hear something, 
and I shine my flashlight and there's a skunk. What do you do? I'm terrified. I was 18 years old in college and I literally sit there and I freeze. I don't know (laughs) if this skunk's going to attack me, going to spray me, what it's going to do, but I'm close enough to this thing that at this point, I don't have a choice. So I literally turned into a human statue (laughs) and that skunk walked past me within two feet and I was terrified terrified of that thing well it didn't see you because you're camouflaged because i'm super sneaky i think that skunk underestimated my sneakiness Sneakiness. (laughs) but uh like stuff and when i've been in trees like i said birds have landed on me in full camo during both landed on my gun barrel like it's really cool squirrels have come up and i like i said they squirrels are scary they scream at you well and they don't know what you are because you're in a tree in camouflage and they don't know what you are. So no. they'll come and they're two or three feet away. And all I'm thinking in my head is don't jump on, my don't face. Jump on me. <laughs> because if you jump on me and those claws dig in, yeah. I'm going to freak oh, out. Oh, I do not like squirrels. And it's over. They're like, ah, da, 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 <laughs> right in your face. And you're like, Beep. But this is all experiences that but unless you hunt, see... you don't, you'll never get them. I got to see, well, and this is a funny story to me because I was so stupid at the time. I didn't understand when we were, uh, like, uh, we were in college, and we were a little... The bear? The bears. The, we were a little <laughs> further north. See, this is the memories. They'll and never leave. We were just scouting out this property. We had just got permission to hunt on it. Some girl we worked with was like, yeah, it's my grandma's. You can hunt on it. And so we were up there just figuring out where we wanted to hunt. And I'm just sitting up in a tree stand. We have no weapons. It's not season yet. And I had a camera. I had my camera with me in case I saw something, I guess. And then... I hear something, and there's these two bear cubs. And Just the cutest little They were, cubs. and I was like, this is so cute. And I got to watch them. They were playing and this whole thing. And then they left, and I got sick of sitting up in that stand. And I got down, like, right at dusk, I think. Because, I mean, we weren't hunting, so it didn't matter. The magic hour, whatever. I mean, looking back, it does, because looking I would back, never do that now. matter, because I got down, and then I went and just sat, like, on the road path. And was waiting for him to be get out of his stand and come down and meet me. And then I told him about the bears. And he goes, honey, if there were bear cubs, chances are good the mama bear was somewhere <laughs> close by. And mama bear is going to protect and I was her like, cubs. <laughs> You're right. I'm an idiot. I could have just got mauled to death by a bear out of stupidity. But, I mean, I got to see these cute little cubs. <laughs> Or like foxes. Like, and luckily, she's still here today still to tell the story because she didn't get mauled to death by a mama no. bear. Oh, yeah. So that was just kind of stupid. But the animals you get to see. No, the whole thing. It's really cool to just get time to just go sit out there. In fact, the one year that I shot with my bow, I got a, a doe and a buck the same night. And it was purely because I didn't want to go sit at gymnastics all night because <laughs> it was, our, Megan was in gymnastics at the time and it was like four or five days a week and it was two or three hours, I feel like, each time. And I had just been doing it all the time and I was so sick of it. And so he was like, are you going to go hunting? And I was like, uh, if that means I don't have to go to gymnastics, sure. She didn't say that. She's like, yeah, I want to go hunting. And I was like. <laughs> 
again, being the great oh, husband that I am, such I was a martyr, like, this guy. I'll go to gymnastics. Why yeah. don't you go enjoy the hunt? Right. So then I ended up shooting. Um, well, and it was a crossbow. It was the first year. I feel like it was the first year we were hunting with a crossbow. Yeah, they weren't legal in Michigan a while ago. Unless you, you had know, a, a, disability. a disability. And the only reason we got that crossbow was because you tore the ligament in your thumb. And, and it was the first year I ever had owned my own property. I grew up, like I said, I did, we didn't have a lot of money. And, well, that was in our last one. But I grew up without a lot of money. We didn't own our own property. We either hunted on property that we had permission to through my yeah, dad. Yeah, a lot of door knocking to get yes, permission either door from knocking farmers. and asking or my dad trading his work. He was a mechanic. He would, you know, hey, I'll work on your truck if we can hunt on your property. Or state land. So that makes it a lot harder, I'm not going to lie. But my dream growing up, every year for Christmas, my Christmas list to my parents, hunting land, (laughs) number one. There was a 0% chance. I was getting socks and a pair of sweatpants, Right. right? But hunting land was my goal. And so I put it on my Christmas list every single year. So the year that she's talking about, I had bought my own piece of property. It was Eight amazing acres of the pure best. bliss. Hey, he shot the biggest buck of his life up until that At that, that point, point, I did. But it was property. eight acres, and I owned my own land, and I tore the ligament in my thumb playing softball, and I couldn't shoot my compound bow. Right, I which I had hunted it. with a compound bow every year up until this year And this also. was the first year in Michigan they made crossbows legal for non-disabled people that torn ligament wouldn't have qualified me so we had the crossbow and she takes it out early november i'm at gymnastics enjoying my children you know just loving life Well, okay so then you had a cute you had a cute little watering hole this is when you first started getting into habitat more habitat work, work which and- is uh, you know amazing check out jeff sturgis whitetail yeah, habitat, habitat solutions works. it works it, if you follow it <laughs> and you learn and you hunt right it just elevates your yeah. hunting experience so you had a watering hole out and there was a blind it was the first year we had that blind too because usually we just sat in a tree stand yep. and uh the doe came out and i shot it and then um you text me you're like i just shot a doe what do yeah. I do? And yeah, I, you're like, reload your arrows. Do it again. And I was like... I just made so much noise. Yeah. There's no way another deer is no going to come. Well, and in order for me to load this crossbow, it usually like you put your foot in the thing and then you pull up. Well, I'm not tall enough. I would have to like be way up here. So I don't have enough strength at this point And I can't get it. So we had a... Uh, uh crank at the a time crank. it was an excalibur crossbow <laughs> yeah. and the crank is literally it sounds like a roller coaster so i'm like serious so it's not like anything that you would ever want to do in the deer woods and no. looking back like i would never do that now today but i didn't have a choice but she did like, it i couldn't we were an hour away from each other yeah. he had to come after gymnastics to come get me to get the deer because I'm not loading it myself and I'm not field dressing it because that was our deal. So he, he uh, he's like, well, you got to sit and wait for me You got anyways. a few hours left. You might as well yeah, reload might as well in put case another the arrow on. And I was like, yeah, okay, this is stupid. But it was really nice weather out. Like it was, it was probably way too hot for you. It was 70 degrees. But I didn't have to. Which isn't great for I mean, if it was cold, I would have probably just went and sat in my car, to be honest. But it wasn't. It was beautiful. So I cranked this whole thing. 
And I sat there and then sure enough, later on, here comes a buck right to that same watering hole. And I was like, oh, shot that sucker and <laughs> two for one that night. <laughs> So that he couldn't awesome even night. handle it. He couldn't even believe that. I'm sitting you know? in gymnastics. My wife's out there just slaying <laughs> deer. Yeah. And, and one of them was, at that point, I think probably the third biggest buck that any of us have yeah. had ever harvested. It was Since a nice then, buck. We've continued to evolve in our hunting. We've just become more selective more in what selective, we're willing to harvest. Better the, at the trade, at the skill of what we do. Mm-hmm. And but it takes it takes uh, work with your neighbors to also try and to states agree like Michigan to not shoot deer that are one year old. Yes, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, we support. I, like my kids, I still everyone. Rachel, the kids, anyone on our property, I tell them, I'm like, you can shoot any deer you want to. Like, there's the whole QDMA, which I think is great because it advances the health of the herd. But it turns a lot of people off because, unfortunately, people will shame others for what they've shot. And I think that's a shame because, like I said, when I shot that spike buck, I was on cloud nine. I couldn't drive a car. And I was a very highly skilled 16-year-old driver at the time. Right. So going in the ditch three times shows you the excitement. And that was a little (laughs) spike buck, which now today, I'll watch nice 100-inch eight points out there. And I get to experience them chasing does, fighting, just living life. Mm -hmm. Because that's not what I'm after anymore. But if that's what does it for one of my kids or well, yeah, for Rachel. Yeah, I say, if it makes you feel that way, that excitement, that happiness, that joy, if you're going to be like super stoked when go you... Go for it, man. That's your deer. But if you're going to regret it and if you're going to be like, oh, I don't know, or because we can um, harvest two bucks every year, so then a lot of guys will be like, okay, I got this one out of the way. Now I can get the big guy. Like, well, that's kind of silly. Why don't you just get the big guy? Like, don't just get one out of the way. Right. It's so not like, bringing you joy. What is the purpose? What we do on our property, we own 40 acres. I've worked with some neighbors over the years, and we're definitely advancing the age class and the buck-to-doe ratio, which, you know, this is, I could go on for hours about this stuff. But what I do in my camp and what's been pretty successful is I tell, no matter who it is, whether it's somebody that I bring out there that's a first-time hunter or one of my nieces or nephews or my kids or Rachel, you can shoot any deer you want to. You can shoot any buck you want to, but you get one. You only get one. Regardless if it's a Michigan state law, you you, get one on our property. If you shoot a six-point and your next hunter, you're out there and you have a tag... And a 14-point, 170-inch deer comes by, you don't get to shoot him. So make sure that one you pull the trigger on is the one that you want. And then another thing I've done, just to make it exciting and to reward people for passing younger deer to advance the age class, is I do what's called a buck pool. And I put $100 up every year. And whoever passes the biggest buck of the year gets $70. And whoever passes the second biggest buck gets 30 So you're rewarded for not shooting a deer. But if you want to shoot it, knock yourself out. But it has to be either verified by a photo. Like, it can't be I'm bow hunting and I had this nice huge buck at 80 yards. You didn't pass him. You didn't have a chance. So you have to have a photo of him in range 
or you have to be hunting with somebody else that says, yep, he had the shot, he didn't take it, he let that deer walk. So it's a competition every year for the kids. Like, I just passed a 90-inch eight-point. And they come in as excited for that as they do for when they do harvest a deer. And it's not just about the money. It's the competition. We're a competitive family. And just a little bit. if they can beat their brother or their mom or their dad, they're going to do mm-hmm. it. And that's just helped make our hunting better. You know, it's all a process, though. Like, I've killed everything from a spike buck that... Uh, that's set button buck. Let's go down a little. <laughs> Rachel killed a button buck one year against oh, my advice. One year that you were like, that one. You pointed killed, it out. I Take have killed that some one. button bucks. Like, I used to be terrible at judging. And now you and I your brothers killed a lot of button bucks. Cause you Not just, a lot. You were just so excited. You thought it was a. You thought it's hard in later season to tell if it's a. Doe I mean, not anymore now with the experience that I have. But back then, yes. But as far as legal antler deer go, <laughs> I've killed from a spike uh-huh. up to a hundred and fifty inch deer. Which in Michigan, that's like that's not easy to that's do. That's primo. Yeah, and um, it won the buck pole. The I won a buck, buck a local buck pole with over two thousand dollars in prizes with that deer. So. If you're from Iowa or you're from Kansas or, you know, one of these states, you're like 150-inch deer, I let them walk. In Michigan, you're not, not many people do. You're not very often You know, that's a, not a once-in-a-lifetime deer, but I've been hunting, like I said, since I was 12. I'm 43 years old, 21 years, 31, 31 years. 31 years. <laughs> Once you get over 40, you can't count, that I guess. math is, yeah, <laughs> it's for the birds. That's man math right 31 there. <laughs> years of having a deer tattooed on my huge bicep, and I've killed <laughs> one deer that green scored over 150 inches, and after the drying period, I haven't put the tape to him yet because he's going to be a little under 150 because they like do shrink a little. Right? <laughs> but he's a 150. He's a 150-inch deer. So it's not easily done, but that spike to me was as exciting or maybe more exciting Mm -hmm. than that 150 inch. I think you were more excited for tank than you were for this tank. I shot an almost 24 inch wide eight point on that property that I bought. That eight acres. Because it's about the effort you put in and that was yeah because that the was the dream of owning yeah. property and developing that property and actually seeing your habitat producing work it you watch the deer effect. do what you designed your property for them to do and yes when i shot that deer i came unglued i dropped him in his tracks it was during gun season i'd seen him once during bow season didn't get a shot opportunity at him and it was November 17th. It was freezing cold. I wasn't going to hunt that day. There was snow that year. Not a lot of years is there actually snow. We had a small mobile construction trailer. That was our deer camp at that time. It's actually at my property up at the hunting property now. But we have a house there, a deer camp. And we actually use that as a hunting blind and storage. But that's where I stayed at. Rachel and the kids were out for opening day. And the next day they hunted. They had to leave. We hadn't taken a deer yet. And the 17th, it was going to be super cold, super windy, and I was just going to go home with them. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stay and hunt. 
And that's the day I harvested at that time the biggest buck of my life. Yeah, I thought he was I called like him tank. crying when he called me. I shot tank. I, I shot, shot him. Tank. I dropped him in his tracks. And knowing now as a tracker, if you ever drop a deer in its tracks, shoot it again. No matter what. I don't care if it's bow season, gun season. If you ever drop a deer, shoot him again. And this deer, I did that, well, as fast as I could. But after I shot, I blamed the cold and the wind. I was so shaky and <laughs> adrenaline pumped, and I shot. I was shooting a single shot. I don't know how long it took me to reload and get a second shot in. I was guy dropping. Didn't stand up and run. I was dropping bullets on the ground. I was. I couldn't get another bullet in. I was trembling. <laughs> and I finally got another one, made another shot. The first shot was sufficient. He was dead. He was DRT, dead right there. But I put that other one in him. But it took me, I don't even know how long, because I couldn't function. Your body shuts down. Your memory goes away. Like, I don't even know how to explain it, because you can't explain it unless mm -hmm. you've lived it. And so if you know a hunter or you are married to a hunter and you think, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why is this so important It's to one you? of those reactions Why would you explain. rather go hunting than spend time with me? It's not necessarily that, but it's a feeling that you only get for that one time of the year, and it's a feeling like nothing else that you can ever experience. At least I've never experienced in my life. No. Like, it's, it's just... You can't describe it unless you've lived it. Yeah. So I will say, I get a lot of comments from people when they find out that I hunt. And they're like, man, I wish my wife would come hunt with me. Like a lot of guys would enjoy that. So then they don't feel like, you know, oh, I'm leaving you behind. Or, you know, so then the wives don't feel like they're being neglected. Or the girlfriends are, you know, like it is like, oh, you'd rather go do that instead of be with me. But he yes. always wanted me no. to... <laughs> You can't even joke about that. He always <laughs> no, wanted me to go with him all the time. And we don't sit together, so it's not like we're spending time together. It doesn't together, matter, that excitement of having someone else out there. in the woods, and then we meet up at the end, and, you know, it's like, what'd you see? And I think he just wants me to keep track of the other part of the woods during the hunt, just so <laughs> he knows what's happening over there. I just know the joy and the excitement that I feel, and the more people that can experience yeah. that. That's what it's about. It's but not about I, no. cover that part of the right. woods. I will say in the beginning, um, I would just wear whatever extra clothes he had. And I was usually pretty miserable because... Men's clothes don't fit Men's women. clothes We're don't... We're built differently. Yeah, a little bit different. And even the boots. Like, you're, I was wearing your boots. Like, I don't even think you bought me my own boots in the beginning. The but first then, ones I bought you were a fail, too. You hated them. Did they the lacrosse me? rubber boots, you could have uh, put them on or No, something. they were like too tight or... It was like a birthday present, which don't... If your woman isn't serious about hunting... Don't buy don't a rubber Don't buy boots. a rubber hunting boots for her birthday. Yeah, that was not... Learn that from me. She that wasn't was... real excited like I was. No, he and was then like, they didn't these fit are going to be awesome. Yeah, so... But I would have loved a pair of them. Over the years, I, I mean, I would go hunting and I liked it. I enjoyed it, but I was always very miserable when it was cold out there because nothing fit me right and I just didn't have the right gear and so 
in the last, like how many years ago did you get me? So a few years ago, Sitka gear, I thought it was a scam. I thought, how can one set of clothing be so much better than another set? Right. And like Sitka it's... gear is expensive. Mm-hmm. But people that wore it are like, oh, you know, wear this. I'm not sponsored by them. Maybe one day I will be. I doubt it because we don't do a whole ton of hunting on our channel. But that stuff is legit. And so one time I told Rachel, I was because some guys at work are like, oh my gosh, I got some Sitka gear. It's amazing. It's so warm. It's so comfortable. And I'm like, really? Like, I don't know. And they're like, well, no, seriously, it is. So I told Rachel, again, asking permission like I always do. I said, hey, I want to get some new hunting clothes because I was wearing stuff that I'd bought 20 years ago on clearance at Myers when I was young. I take care of my stuff. I use it forever. And it was expensive, but I said, you know what? If I buy this gear and I use it for another 20 years, it's only a few dollars a year. So I was like, I want to get some Sitka gear. I want to get a new hunting outfit. She knows what it means to me. She knows how much I love hunting. And she was like, that's fine, but I want a set too. Not many women are going to give you that answer. They're going to how much does it, it like, cost? Half like, price. I mean, it was. I got a deal on it. I Is knew that some a lie? people, but uh, I knew some people. So she's like, "If you want, if you get some, I want some." So it cost me double getting the Sitka gear, but let me tell you, it was worth it. What well do you worth think, it. Rachel? It, genuinely, I think I um, like I posted a picture of myself on Facebook going hunting with the clothes on, and the guy who sent. He the link to buy it was like, oh yeah, whatever. And I was like, well, I have you to blame. And he's like, you're welcome. And truly, thank you because it is the best. I I love my hunting clothes now. Like the whole experience is that much more elevated. And to also like the proper equipment. So if you want your women to go hunting with you, this is what you have to do. If you want them to work outside with you, this is what you have to do. They need women's Boots. Yes, they need boots not just that fit gear. women's feet. Not men's. Women's. Men's are different. They have to be women's sizing. And the women's hunting clothes. I don't I mean, no knock against men and their stuff, but I don't need a flap in the front and extra things going on in the back on my long johns or my pants. <laughs> what do we got going on in the back? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's extra Hey, you get no, there ain't no extra yes, in the back. Yes, there is. There's like extra. There's a pouch in the front you don't need. There ain't nothing in the back. There's extra stuff going on. What hunt camp you going to? And I, I don't need it. I don't want it. It does not fit my body. The length of things doesn't work. My waist to hip ratio, it's not the same as a man. So my long johns need to be women's. They just need to be a women's fit. And yeah, the those pants, be funny. right? The <laughs> pants need to be women's pants my jacket like i don't think i mean you don't realize because i can wear like a, a men's or a unisex sweatshirt and it's fine you know like it's not ideal it's like bulky but i'm telling you it's a game changer to have clothing that fits a woman's body so to work outside in the winter i have a you know carhartt coat that's for women i have my snow pants that are for women my boots are for women <laughs> And my gloves, gloves, men's gloves are not for women, let me tell you. And it's a game changer. Also, having my own uh, rangefinder 
that's key. Like it's huge to go out hunting and have a rangefinder. The confidence you that learn I can have to better judge distance. Yeah, like. because I mean, I don't care how many times I go and hunt out of the same spot. And, uh, you know, you when, you, when you're there, you're like, okay, this tree's 20 yards, that spot's 40 yards. The next time I go out, I'm like, what was that again? So to have a rangefinder is huge. If you don't have a rangefinder, get yourself Especially one. Especially for archery hunting. Yes. Like, archery is a bow, huge. A, a recurve, a long bow, a, a compound, or a crossbow, distance matters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's huge. Yeah, having a rest because... I am a woman. I don't have the same upper body strength that a man has. And to be able... I mean, you're married to a pretty superior man. Yeah, I mean, there is that. (laughs) But I... To be able to have, like, a rest or... What do we have in the blind? Like, um... A bipod bipod. that just clips into the... You know, I I can... If anyone has questions about hunting gear, I can talk to you for (laughs) days. But it makes a huge difference. So no longer am I responsible for holding the weight up because deer sometimes like to stand there in the wrong spot. They know. They'll (laughs) tease you forever. I mean, just have that. Like there's so many things that make it so it's so much of a nicer experience for me to be out there that means I'm more willing to come back. So, And if you have a woman who supports you in hunting... Like, I work with a bunch of guys who barely get to hunt even though they want to because their women don't understand or their significant other doesn't understand. And Rachel has always understood because it's been like that from the beginning. Like, we were honest with each other from the beginning, which I think is important, but she knew what it meant to me and Mm -hmm. she didn't want to take that from me. So guys at work all the time, they're like, I can't, how do you get a girl like Rachel? Like, how does one honesty from the beginning, and two, she understands like the feeling, the adrenaline, the memories, the everything that goes into this hunting thing. And a, I mean, not being sexist, but a lot of women don't. But I think that's a lot of our men's problems because we don't know how to express or describe that to them or ever let them experience it and maybe some women won't like it they won't ever understand they won't ever get it like maybe i just struck lightning in a bottle with rachel and just got the one girl out there that gets it but i think it's more our fault for not being able to express or pass that on well i would rather you get to go do something that meant a lot to you than say no you can't go and have you sit there with me and with be a, a pouty brat so i'm not a pouty brat <laughs> i'm not Come saying on. you ever were but you could be and why would i want to spend There's time no with that no point in risking it so just let me I do what i want it. spend on what i want and you'll be a happy i woman. mean if you don't want to come with me on a vacation or on a, some trip I, like go to the apple orchard well, i'd rather go without you than have to force you to do something that you don't want to do and then ruin the whole experience. So I do remember when we were very fresh in our marriage, I believe, and we were at Thanksgiving and you guys, you and your brothers were like, you want to go hunting? And you were like, do you care? And I was like, I don't care. So like you guys all took off hunting and your dinner was over. The dinner was sucked. over. They we, weren't going to win. We already ate we dinner. We might as well go deer hunting. We were sitting there just, you know, digesting our food and you guys wanted to go hunting. 
and I didn't want to, and I was like, go, I don't care. And your mom was, she just couldn't even believe that I was okay with that. She was like, wow, I would never have been okay with that. She hated when my dad went deer hunting. Yeah. Because like, she like, didn't understand me. it. She didn't get it. No fault of her own. I mean, and let's be honest, it gets dark pretty early. Yeah, <laughs> so you're home early. You're not gone that long. Even if you go away, sometimes it's nice to have a little break from each other. It keeps things... Fresh. Oh, you need a break from me? Sometimes. But <laughs> Come on. Who needs a break from oh, this? Another thing that w is very imperative for hunting is these journals that we have. This I love. I don't and know when you got you, this. I bought it for you one year. Yeah. It's just a hunting journal. And at first when she got it for me, I, w I was like, all yeah, right. And it's, I mean, I don't even know who makes it. Write it down. And these are the journals I love. But uh, it's just a little thing. They have them for hunting. They have them for camping. They have them for fishing. But the hunting journal here is just something that you can write in. It has, you know, season, <laughs> weather, date, who you hunted with, preparation, all of oh, that yeah. in there. Journals and, Unlimited. That's yeah, so I, she got me this, and I started writing. I went back because I had saved all my hunting licenses from every deer I had ever harvested, and the memories are still there. But as I get older and this brain just gets more full, there are stuff that I might forget from time to time. But now I can look back through this journal and I can just start reading about a story. Like my first year back in 1996, November 2nd, you know, my second year in 1997 in November 15th, opening day. Like I can start reading this. And that whole hunt will come back to me. Yeah. And my children, my kids have been able to look through one. this. We get them each a journal. Rachel has her I own journal. journal. I'm on to my second journal because I'm super successful at hunting. Well, and you forget a lot about the hunt. You forget but what the weather was, what deer you But when you start just reading about it, you can bring the whole thing back. And my whole thoughts are my grandkids are going to be able to read Grandpa's journal. You know, like a legacy. They can look through this and hopefully they're hunters and they get to experience what we've experienced. And if they do, they'll understand the stories that are in this book. And I think that's awesome. So if you don't have one, get one. My yeah. brother got one. He starts to write stuff down. Like it's just, it's not about venison in the freezer. It's about memories. It's mm -hmm. about adrenaline. It's about, you know, just the the challenge of it it's just a way and of life for all you. of it can be in here and it will just be something that can be passed down for generations and i think that's awesome right so hopefully you guys enjoyed hearing a little bit about our hunting journey and our stories and i could talk about this you can talk about weeks. this forever this is his passion i'm like keith isn't a hunter he he is hunting hunting you know like that's he doesn't just hunt for fun like this is all encompassing like anything to improve it's just really you know it's hard to find somebody else that shares his passion and when he does you're fast friends you know <laughs> yes and man if you hunt and your lady doesn't understand it make them watch this watch the hardworking man listen to the hardworking mm -hmm. man podcast and man if you hunt and you have a lady or you get one, listen to the Hardworking Man podcast <laughs> and 
understand and implement and hopefully pass this on to your kids because it's it's a dying thing like the numbers of hunters in michigan reduce every single year because it's something that probably isn't passed on from generation and a lot of that is the hunter's fault because like i said at the beginning i was bad i was terrible because i put the hunting in front of the kids or in front of rachel and you can't do that but you want to because you know how much it means to you but until they understand it they're not gonna get it and unless they get to experience it they're never gonna understand it but maybe once they do then they'll be like I understand now. I see why you do that. I see why it means so much to you. So So thanks for listening. We appreciate each and every one of you that took the time out to do this, whether you're listening in your earpods while you're working or watching the video on YouTube or I think Spotify shows the video too simultaneously. But be sure to like and comment and subscribe to our podcast if you haven't. And subscribe to the YouTube channel if you have it. Hardworking man. It's hard on YouTube. Man. People tell us we need to change the name because of hardworking hard woman. But hardworking man no. it is. Maybe one day hardworking woman will be a channel as well. Maybe one day. We'll see. <laughs> but thank you so much for listening. We hope you guys enjoyed this. If one person learned anything from this or is like, you know what? Can mm-hmm. adapt and change and just enhance their hunting experience their relationship with their spouse their relationship with their kids it was all worth it so so thanks guys we appreciate all of you and we hope you have a good week